Hello and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Climate Bonds Cafe. It's good to be back. If you're new to the show, we walk you through all the happenings and goings-on at Climate Bonds Initiative as we continue to mobilise capital towards fighting climate catastrophe. You don't have to be an expert and the mood is light, conversational and, where possible, upbeat. If you have listened to this before, welcome back. It's great to have you with us again. Today, we're talking about the sustainability-linked bond database and methodology, and also the H1 report, which have both been recently published. A couple of important points for you here. We're going to be talking about sustainability-linked bonds, what they are, why there are critics and advocates for them, but we're going to be calling these SLBs in case you hear this and are a little bit unsure what the term means. We're also going to be talking about bonds that comprise green, social, sustainability, sustainability linked and transition elements. And we're going to be calling these GSS plus bonds. Normally it's a show where we leave industry acronyms at the door, but we thought it might just save us a bit of time. Joining me are Climate Bonds' is Matthew McGiock and Caroline Harrison. I want to find a little bit more about SLBs and why there are efforts to clean these up. And after the publication of the half-year report, what are the trends and how close are we to this target of $5 trillion annually towards global climate disaster mitigation? Hello and welcome to our guest. We have, well, first of all, uh, a debut guest today. So a big hello and welcome to Matthew McGiock. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thank you very much for the invitation to be here. You're very welcome. You're always welcome on the cafe and a big welcome back to the cafe for Caroline Harrison. How's things? Great. Thanks, Barney. It's my pleasure to be uh, back again in the cafe with you and Matthew. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Well, look, we've I'm very lucky to have you both, frankly, and uh, there's lots to talk about, but I'm in I'm in good company there. We're going to be hearing a little later on about the H1 market report, but First, I want to delve into the sustainability-linked bonds. I'm going to, from here on in, call those SLBs, uh, database and methodology. I'm I'm aware at this point, kind of less familiar listeners may be thinking SLBs, methodology, H1. I'm I'm kind of lost before the questions have, have even started. If you're thinking that, we've got you. We've got you covered. So just to kind of ease everybody in, Matthew, can you just talk to me about what are SLBs and how do we assess them? Of course. Um, So SLBs are a type of bond where there are certain KPIs or targets that are then tied to the financial metrics of that bond. That can either be the interest rate that is paid on that bond or the amount that is redeemed at the the end of the bond. Um, We're interested in SLBs because they can be used within the, the context of the climate transition. So if a company, for example, has targets to reduce their emissions by a certain amount, by a certain date, they can uh, demonstrate their commitment to this target to investors and to the broader community as a whole by using an SLB such that if they miss that target, uh, they might be uh, on the hook for a low financial penalty or vice versa. If they achieve a target, they could get a financial reward. Okay, and I want to come on to some of the work you're doing in relation to, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but sort of cleaning up the uh, the current state of SLBs. But just to kind of um, walk people through it a little bit, what have been the sort of main challenges with the SLB market to date? Um, there's been a lot of challenges, uh, as I'm sure some of the listeners will already be aware. Um, but the main one I would start off with 
is about target selection because the instrument itself is so flexible you could attach it to literally any target you could think of um there's been a wide variety of targets used by issuers of all varieties no matter what industry they're in whether it's a company or government etc um one thing that we then try like to try and do uh, going forward is to centralize uh what types of targets are being selected and to standardize then which companies need to be including um what types of what scopes of emissions in their targets um so in particular we want greenhouse gas targets to be used and we want mate- all material sources of emissions to be included in those targets so for a cement company for example that means scope 1 and 2 and for a oil and gas company for example that means scope 1 2 and 3 okay and uh, i mean just on the i'm not sure if if divide opinion is a, a fair or kind of unfair summary of the the SLB opinion in the zeitgeist but i mean like many things there's critics and, and advocates can you just talk to me about those kind of contrasting opinions and and perhaps how that shapes your work um so you're right there are a lot of critics and a lot of them have been in the news recently especially um some of the the main kind of criticisms have been about things like the target selection that we mentioned already um but other things about the the ambitiousness of the target sometimes companies are saying they're going to reduce by 10% but if you compare them against their peers or if you compare them against some of the uh, science based pathways that are out there then the level of ambition of their reduction is not really material or significant there are also also criticisms about the structuring um of the bonds themselves and sometimes callable bonds which is essentially a bond that could be Uh, redeemed before uh, the deadline of the, the the sustainability target that we're talking about um there have been concerns as well about uh the proportion of emissions that are actually covered within the targets of a bond uh, amongst others these are some of the big ones but i would say the the main arguments for um the use of sobs it's first of all it, it can be complementary to the existing use of proceeds format where when you have green bonds or social sustainability bonds it's money going towards direct clearly defined projects for some companies in certain industries those uh projects aren't clearly defined right now but they still want to demonstrate that they're doing uh what they can to reduce their emissions in an ambitious way so as a result then the SLB becomes particularly useful to them um but it can also be used for issues that have already used the user proceed uh market so for example uh if a company has raised a lot of financing for their solar power projects through the green bond market then uh they can also demonstrate their commitment to broader um emission reductions by using SLBs okay okay thank you and so in response we've seen the creation of this SLB database and and methodology can you walk me through this and and i guess some of the main reasons behind its creation i know we've talked a little bit about the the backdrop of the challenges but um yeah just talk to me how how that sort of framed your your kind of spearheading work in in this area uh well that's very kind but also <laughs> so we started off the SLB database to try and track and 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 kind of observe how the market was developing uh, from the first SLB in 2018 till now we've seen a huge variety of different structures we've seen all these critiques and arguments for and against and we use this that database then uh to collect a variety of information about each and every deal that came to the market and then we would use that to inform our research reports such as the H1 2023 that we'll talk about in just a second um then based off of this as well as ongoing work within climate bonds about transition plans uh kind of governed by the the climate bond standard V4.0 
uh, we developed a methodology to actually assess the credibility of uh, these targets, the underlying plans, as well as then some instrument-specific uh, concerns that we've uh, uh, covered before and that have been raised by others in the, the space as well. Then using this methodology, we can assess the, what what bond, what SLBs are out there that are actually quality and what aren't. And so uh, we've then categorized SLBs into four uh, different levels of alignment with the methodology uh, in, in order of kind of their quality, so to say, um, so that we can kind of continue to encourage um, more credible issuance of SLBs, but then also identify the reasons as to why uh, some SLBs are not aligning with our methodology. Do you think that could kind of, I guess, maybe bridge that gap you talked about between obviously encouraging ambitious sort of transition and planning in that area, but also making sure it's it's credible and it's actually feasible, you know, creating that kind of framework. Is, it, is that sort of fair? Yeah, for sure. I think um, there is a balance to be played. Um, but what we can see is from this database is that over the last few years, as all this critique has come to the market, but also as um, issuers and investors alike have become more familiar with this instrument, there are uh, lots of places of improvement. And uh, this year, for example, in this first six months of this year, we've seen almost 25% of SLBs in alignment with the methodology. Um, this compares to then essentially 10% in the three years prior. And so we can see that, okay, there is an extra level of scrutiny, but there is a lot of improvement that we want to celebrate and encourage going forward. Um, then in terms of even just uh, a very kind of uh, rudimentary or foundational um, issue with the SBB market right now, in terms of target selection, we've seen more and more issuers uh, using greenhouse gas targets in their SLBs, um, growing to, I believe, 60% in this same quarter this year. Okay, and I've, I've seen SLBs described as the, the younger sibling of green bonds, which I thought was a great analogy. What sort of trends would you like to see in this area for SLBs to mature properly to kind of continue the the analogy but also in a way that's fitting with the urgency needed in this market? Um, well apart from increased alignment with the, the methodology I think there's um, much more potential for more standardization within the SLB space when it comes to the structuring of the instruments or the setting of the targets um, there's been a big push over the last few years to uh, be able to illustrate the variety of sustainability topics that are applicable to all of these companies. But if we're truly to use these instruments as transition finance uh, instruments, we need to stay a little bit more focused so that we can make sure that when we're comparing companies, um, we can compare like with like, but also then when companies are making these commitments and investors are um, buying into these commitments, essentially, that these commitments are actually useful and um, the the entire exercise serves a genuine purpose of uh, leading to emission reductions. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Caroline, I'm going to come on to you. I'm going to give Matthew a little little break there. Um, I think it's just a, a nice time to kind of bring you into the, the conversation. But given... Matthew's introduction to SLBs, let's talk a little broader if we can. Uh, the H1 report, a halfway report of the 2023 market's just been published. It's quite a hefty report, so could you just talk to me and just share some of the highlights of that if you can? Well, the, 
the, main, the two main highlights that stand out to me are, first of all, the fact that we have now crossed uh, four trillion in cumulative aligned issuance. So that means uh, that issuance that is aligned with the climate bonds database methodologies uh, and therefore is included in our data set uh, has reached more than 4 trillion, it's 4.2 trillion at the end of the uh, first half of 2023. So, I mean, the momentum behind uh, the GSS plus market has really picked up now, taking into consideration that we reached 3 trillion in the first quarter of 2022. So in other words, within one and a quarter years, we've added uh, more than a trillion in GSS plus debt, which is fantastic. Uh, that is a huge achievement uh, for the market, uh, especially considering, you know, that relatively speaking, it really hasn't been around for very long. Um, and, you know, recently the market has been tested uh, by rising interest rates, uh, COVID a couple of years ago, um, and other challenges. So what we are taking away from this is that issuance of green, social, sustainability, sustainability linked and transition bonds that are aligned uh, with the climate bonds database methodology uh, is robust and is here to stay. I mean, how how pleasing must that be? Because I mean, there's there's always the the backdrop of of all sorts of testing conditions geopolitically, whatever else. But I mean, as you say, I feel like the last couple of years, especially, has been just incredibly testing in all sorts of ways. But I mean, it's fair to say that shows that there is strong appetite out there, you know, in in spite of all this, right? Well, I think issuers appear to be um, realising you know, the urgency, if you like, to fund this transition to uh, net zero and that the debt market is there to support uh, that transition. So this brings me on to my second highlight of the HT paper, which is uh, that Climate Bonds has recorded, <clears throat> sorry, 49 issuers of aligned green social sustainability, sustainability linked, uh, sovereign debt. So 49 sovereigns have come to the market now with GSS plus debt, um, which is phenomenal. And we are looking for the 50th sovereign issuer in the second half of this year, the 50th aligned sovereign issuer, should I say. Um, and we are sort of really pleased with the momentum that sovereign issuers bring to this market because, you know, once a sovereign comes to the market uh, with a green social or sustainability link, uh, bond. It shows commitment. So it's a way for a country to say, okay, we're here, we're committed to this, we're in it, we're building infrastructure, we're committed to getting this market going. Um, you know, one of the things that sovereign issuers repeatedly state as a motivation for issuing and also as an outcome of issuing is this idea of green market creation. So through the issuance of a sovereign bond, uh, local markets can be sort of galvanised um, and, uh, you know, there will be a crowding in effect uh, for private capital. That's a fantastic point and, and a great highlight there, very casually dropped in. But uh, no, it's it's a, a phenomenal achievement, as you say, and, and what a chance that is for somebody to become sovereign number 50. I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it ties me on nicely to my, my next 
point. The the report contains kind of several, I don't know how you'd describe it, I guess like a, a sort of league table style graphics, just to kind of give very justified kudos to sovereigns, organisations, corporations performing highly in the GSS plus sphere. Were there any names there that sort of particularly stood out to you, either as a, a consistent performer or maybe one or two that have had significant improvement in their approach in recent years? Well, Germany um, was the single largest issuer of uh, GSS plus debt in the first half of this year, and I think issued the total of uh, 15 billion US dollars uh, split between two new deals and multiple taps. And this is an illustration really of the commitment of uh, the German DMO to trying to sort of preference financing of green expenditures. And that is what we like to see. Italy uh, brought the single largest deal with a new BTP. And again, commitment from sovereigns. And, you know, we've really seen this across the board. So in the sovereign space in particular, in the first half of this year, there were uh, five uh, new issuers of aligned GSS plus sovereign debt. There was Israel, there was India, there was Malaysia, Cyprus, and the United Arab Emirates. And this also shows uh, the diversity that is now available to investors who want to construct a green social and sustainability uh, bond portfolio. So there is opportunity uh, across the credit rating spectrum from developed and emerging markets, and there is, you know, invest. There is size available through these sovereign deals. Uh, so that is something that is extremely important when thinking about uh, how to expand the investable universe. You know, diversity uh, is a hugely important component there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just very briefly going back to, to one of your points there, just for the, the listeners who maybe are, are less familiar, could you just uh, give us a little walk through a BTPs? Uh, sorry, a BTP is an Italian government bond. Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, just on a on a kind of less upbeat note, uh, we did see quite a steep drop in, in US issuance, I think in in some cases by around about 41%, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm conscious it's that's quite a, a wide range of potential factors. But yeah, I mean, are you uh, able to pinpoint any kind of reasons behind this? Uh, we did see a large drop in aligned issuance uh, from the USA, and there are multiple potential reasons for that. The first of which is uh, the transparency uh, that is that accompanies the issuance of these bonds. So climate bonds needs to be able to determine that the use of proceeds is aligned um, with our database methodology. And in order to do that, we need to really dig in to determine uh, whether or not the proceeds are going to be spent on things that are compatible uh, with a 1.5 degree future as specified um, in, in sort of our sector criteria uh, and in our database methodology. Uh, and often we do find uh, that large deals from the US often lack this transparency. And it doesn't mean uh, that the use of proceeds are not legitimate. It just means that issuers need to uh, be as forthcoming as possible with as much information uh, as to how they plan to mobilise those proceeds. So give metrics, uh, give projects, 
you know, be specific, uh, adhere to a taxonomy when designing your framework and just give as much information as possible so that we can make that, uh, that judgment. Uh, the second reason we speculate uh, that uh, could be responsible for the drop in issuance, again, is this uh, sort of anti-ESG rhetoric uh, that has recently arisen uh, in the US. Um, you know, however, it's important for us to remember uh, the reason why we're here and what it is that we're trying to achieve. So use of proceeds bonds really are there to finance change. Uh, the use of proceeds are contributing towards uh, environmental and societal changes that we all uh, want to see and be a part of. And these are things that contribute to ultimately economic growth. I mean, if you, if you take a look at, for example, climate disasters uh, and the impact that they have uh, on often limiting economic growth and absorbing um, a lot of available capital, then that kind of emphasizes the importance of shifting the focus uh, onto uh, you know, raising capital to finance sustainable projects. No, absolutely. And, and I think a real testament to this report is the, the clear appetite out there, despite all these these variable factors in terms of, you know, the as you say, the changing rhetoric. But um, as I say, we could we could speculate on that all day, I'm sure. Um, this sounds um, a little bit of an inconsequential anecdote, but do stay with me on this. Uh, on the, the first episode of this show, I asked Bridget Bull how important it was to kind of share regular updates in relation to that $5 trillion a year of issuance target. Uh, this was a kind of slightly different context because we were talking about having the up-to-date figures on our, our website, but it did get me thinking when I was I was reading through the, the report. How, how important are updates like this just to inspire market confidence? Um, I think it's really important to maintain a sense of momentum uh, and it's very, very encouraging to see, uh, you know, that during challenging economic times, uh, issuers are still focused on making this transition to net zero. So ultimately, you know, issuers are coming to the market because they want to uh, fund the transitions of their entities, be it corporates, be it governments and countries, therefore, be it supranationals, their activities, their expenditures, their projects, they are looking to um, align those expenditures, if you like, with a low carbon future. And that is extremely positive and that is something that we want to see more of. Yeah, absolutely. You tie me nicely then into my my kind of final, I guess, forward looking question. I mean, it is for the both of you. But I mean, what new or, or kind of continued market trends would you like to see just to just to build on this positive momentum? Well, we've highlighted in the paper a couple of trends, uh, actually. One of them is debt for nature swaps. So we have seen a rise in uh, these instruments coming from uh, certain sovereigns. Um, and what we have highlighted in the paper is the need for transparency, particularly uh, in the eligible project categories. Uh, we would like to see clarity on management of proceeds and governance structures. Uh, in these instruments to make sure uh, that the integrity of the funded projects can be evaluated properly. So important to remember when issuing debt for nature swaps or any other instrument, in fact, uh, are the three golden, golden rules uh, of transparency, uh, accountability uh, and reporting commitments. And those are what we would like to see in these instruments. 
Um, we've also published a small spotlight on uh, social housing uh, as a use of proceeds and we've given two examples of sovereigns who have included social housing projects uh, in their recent deals um, and we have used the opportunity to highlight best practice. Uh, so those are things that we would like to see more of and as always I encourage any issuer uh, who is thinking of raising money in the capital markets to think about how they can green uh, their expenditures and potentially uh, make their issuance eligible for green label. Here, here, and yes, social housing is an area very close to my my heart and my areas of, of interest. Matthew, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Um, just one small thing about SLBs, really. We've put out a call to action to try and get all involved in the SLB uh, market to get the align proportion of alignment by the end of this year up to 50% of all SLBs issued. We're on 25-26% now, and hopefully by, uh, by January uh, we'd be able to announce that we've hit that, that target. Two pieces of research that we're going to be working on the next few months are about post-issuance, which um, Caroline has already raised as a, as a hot topic. Um, we're going to be looking at post-issuance reporting in both the user proceeds market as well as the sustainability market, and uh, I'm looking forward to conducting that research. And I'm looking forward to hearing about it as well. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for, for coming on. Good luck with everything. It sounds like it's going to be busy, but in a, in a very encouraging way, I think. So, Caroline, Matthew, thank you so much again. That was Matthew McGeoch and Caroline Harrison with a whirlwind of chat and information. If you're thinking there's areas there you'd like to go back and read more about, don't feel too bad. I'll be doing exactly the same thing. It's a range of topics that we could have talked about for hours, if I'm being honest. So credit to them both for walking me through that so succinctly. Now, both these publications are available on our website, climatebombs.net. But do tell your friends and colleagues to listen to this. It's valuable context and insight about the key details of both these reports, why we're doing them in the first place, and of course, a progress barometer of the fight to mobilise funding towards climate friendly initiatives. There's also further information on our social media channels, so just search at Climate Bonds or head over to our Spotify page where we bring you all of the Climate Bonds Cafe episodes and bring you an accessible look at our updates, plus our other series if you're a little more in the know with the technical side of things. But for now, a pleasure having you in the cafe. Take care.